You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. So this morning, I want to talk to you about a few things before we get going. I want to throw a couple ideas past you, and you kind of help me. I want to talk about whether something's good or bad. We just kind of throw that up. I've got a picture on the screen. So is this truck, I know you're thinking, what? where is, what, where is that at? That's odd looking. Yes, it is. Um, but do you think, what do you think? Trucks, good or bad? Maybe. Uh, I happen to know that this mer- version uh, actually is in Europe, and uh, yeah, they use it to deliver medicines and water and even Bibles from time to time. But here's the interesting thing. This actual truck that you're looking at was the one that uh, mowed down several people in Germany in the midst of the Christmas thing. So again, good or bad? Hmm. So let's, let's up the ante. Good or bad? Oh, you probably can't tell what it is. Let me help you. Good or bad? It's hard to tell, isn't it? Let me look mean and menacing. Good or bad? Maybe. I could be. It could be used to slice an apple. It could be open to cut a box, cut a rope, do all kinds of things. It might even be in this space. It might even be me defending my family. Or it could be harming someone. It's hard to tell, right? Let's say up the ante at the risk of my job. <laughs> Women, this is a safety. <laughs> there's a cable that runs completely through the barrel. I cannot, I cannot do anything with it, and there are no magazines. There's no bullets in this. Safety's locked. Key's not around. This is a completely safe gun. But again, good or bad? It's hard to tell. You know why? Mixed emotions, because in the hands of one of our police officers, this can stop a bank robbery, uh, can uh, resolve a hostage situation, can stop a robber. But in the hands of someone else, uh, it can take a flight to Fort Lauderdale and the baggage terminal. It can terrorize and shoot a lot of people, right? It's hard to tell, good or bad. All right, so let's try and regain my job. (laughs) While those are painful, what's about to happen now is going to get really painful for some. Here we go. Money and credit cards. (laughs) I know Dave Ramsey's already going to be calling me. You own those? You should have cut those up years ago. Good? Bad? What are they? Again, it's hard to tell, right? With these, with these, I can, um, there may be, from time to time, there may be some things that I don't have the cash on me to make the purchase that I need to do today. What if I needed to replace my, the heater in my home and I didn't have all the cash? I had the ability to pay it off in a couple months really quickly, right? But I didn't have the ability to do it today, but there's no heat today. Well, it didn't matter so much this today, but last week it would have mattered a lot, right? But the other side of that is I can use these and I can run them up and I can make purchases and I can just enjoy myself and I can create a debt that will bury my family, right? Good or bad? He said, well, those, are, those could be either, but this is cash. This is always good in America. <laughs> well, the reality is this is a real $100 bill. This is not Monopoly money. This is the real thing. Smells like it and everything. 
Um, but the reality is, is I can take this and I can go buy groceries for my family, right? Or I can go buy drugs and I can snort the night away, good or bad, right? It's all in the, the way that we the way that we handle it, the way that we do it. Um, it's not so much that they inherently, because they don't do anything. You set them on the table, and they do nothing. So here's the thing. Money isn't good or evil. But what we do with it has the potential to bring us both good or harm to our lives and to our family. I need a little bit of water. I touched that money, and that doesn't happen to me. I got a little dry touching that water. <laughs> I have two in college and haven't seen the law of that lately. <laughs> so one of our biggest struggles that people have today is in the area of their finances, really. Um, our culture is a gather-all-you-can-get kind of culture, right? Get as much as you can get. Keep it, hold it, do all that kind of things. And the challenge is that makes us make Decisions. Sometimes we even are pressured into decisions that at times can affect us and impact us and harm us in the future. Let me show you a diagram this morning of four different kinds of people. And oftentimes it follows the life cycle. It it can, in theory, follow the idea that someone comes into adulthood, works for several years, and then goes out of retirement. But not always, because sometimes we get stuck in some of these stages. This diagram is actually used in your Financial Peace University and Legacy classes that are available. And uh, let me explain these four states. The first is struggling. There are individuals who are struggling. They're living paycheck to paycheck. They don't have uh, reserves. Uh, they're just making it, just making it. And if something happens to a paycheck, they are underwater immediately. Do you understand that? We're struggling. The next stage is that they're stable. So these people, uh, they have um, a small amount of reserves, a small emergency type of fund. They're not living exactly paycheck to paycheck. Um, and they can handle some, some small emergencies, some, some, a few challenges that life throws their way. They can, they can deal with that. But they're not ready for, for the end of life. They're not ready for, the, for later in life at all. Coming over the top of the hill and finding ourselves in the solid position, that's where these individuals not only have a good reserve available to them to deal with situations, but they've already begun to put away for retirement good. They actually may have a little bit set aside for college and those types of things. And then down the bottom is these people have funded retirement. They've probably taken care of college. They may actually be either paying off near paying off or paid off their home, they're in a place where they're in serious surplus and they have the ability to be generous and to be, uh, I'm I'm not talking like just generous like you and I on on every day. I'm talking they really have the ability to do kingdom things. They have the ability to be generous to people and to the kingdom because God's blessed them and put them in his place. And these are the four cycles. Now I'm just going to tell you just FYI, it's not really for this sermon, but if you split the bell curve, the people on struggling and stable on this, this left side, that is really Financial Peace University. If, you're, if you were to 
find yourself in that or you know someone in those stages, that's Financial Peace University. If you are well on your way to retirement and all those kind of things, and you've got surplus or you know people like that, that's legacy. And so those are the things. And there's a legacy course that's going to be happening at Cornelius. We're doing all three campuses in Cornelius. Financial Peace University is happening separately on all three campuses to make it more available. So here we are. We're beginning a series today called Making Change, Making Change in Our Lives. We're going to look at four concepts, both uh, beginning looking today, but specifically over the next four weeks. And they're depicted by these circles behind me. Can you read them? They're hieroglyphics that our media department came up with. So the first one is this. Less is more. The second is stress is bad. The third is giving is good. And the last is tomorrow matters. Now you know what the next four sermons are. Less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good. Tomorrow matters. Would you say them with me? Less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good. Tomorrow matters. Wow, you guys are really good. You're awake. Let's not talk about the 8 o'clock people. In your notes, how we view our money and possessions is of the utmost importance. What we do with our money will influence the very course of our eternity in our lives. Can I pray for just a second? Holy Spirit, come and speak to us today. Lord, it's not my words, it's yours. God, I want everyone in this place to hear what you say to their hearts more than I want them to hear what you say to my words. So speak to us, we pray. Amen. So why do you think that the Lord devoted twice as many verses in the Bible, actually 2,350 verses-ish, twice as many to finances as he did to prayer and faith combined? Why do you think that 15% of everything that's recorded that Jesus said was in the area of finances? I think it's because he knew we were going to have challenges. I think it's because he knew that it was going to, it was going to lead our hearts. He talks about that. We're going to talk about some of the things that he says today. But the reality is, is that if money grabs our heart, God doesn't have room to be there. And so we want to look at this. Richard Halverson, I, I was looking, uh, preparing for this sermon, and I found this quote, and I, I actually, I, as I read it, I found it to be true as I thought through. It says this, Money is an exact index to a man's true character. All through Scripture, there's an intimate correlation between the development of a man's character and how he handles money. And I would say, and possessions. In your notes, money and possessions can be good and used for good, or they can be evil and bring destruction. It all depends on whether we own the stuff or the stuff owns us. Listen, we all own stuff. How many of you in here, you know someone who their stuff owns them? 
right? That's when it gets really dangerous. That's when it gets really dangerous because the stuff has us. Our culture has been programmed to believe that more is better. The deception is that the more you have, the happier you'll be. And I'm just going to tell you, that does not agree with Scripture in any way at all. In fact, Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says this, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind. See, we, we have this pursuit, this chasing. There's this pursuit that drives us, this pursuit of more. And there's some challenges that the passionate pursuit of more can bring to us. The first one is this. It can lead to idolatry. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this. No one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus. I should drop the mic, boom, and walk off at this point. Passionate pursuit of more will rob you of what really matters. It will. It will also keep you from eternal rewards, I think. Matthew chapter 6, again, says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. See, that's our problem. If we're working diligently to accumulate, to acquire passionately pursuing more we're working in this realm and i'm telling you in this grand scale of eternity this is a this is a little thing this life you're living all 40 50 60 70 plus years of it it's just that it's tiny compared to eternity we don't build up here build up there right the last thing When we passionately pursue more, it will lead us to a life of dissatisfaction. Ecclesiastes says this, Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Whosoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. I know people like that. I do. I would tell you, and it's probably hit your newspaper, it it actually hit some other newspapers that I was in. I know someone who lives in East Lincoln County, right here. He had plenty, more than plenty. He was in his 40s and he could have retired if he wanted to. He had plenty. And he began to passionately pursue more and he came up with this scheme in his mind. And the scheme now has him facing multiple federal charges for embezzlement, and fraud. Why? Because he never had enough. Do you understand? We can't. We can't. So again, how do we how do we deal with this? What are the concepts? What do we what are the concepts for making change so that you and I don't fall prey to the financial stress, this financial challenge that we face? They're right here on the wall. Less is more, stress is bad. Giving is good. Tomorrow matters. And that's what we're going to talk about. In just a little bit of time this morning, this is going to be a short sermon. I know you're used to something different. (laughs) We're going to cover less is more. With all due respect, he learned it from me. So I just give 
<laughs> but I thought, hey, I'm a guest. I should be short today. Um, less is more. What are the steps to less is more? The first one is this. Cut back. Cut back. We're driven by consumption. We strive to gather more. It distorts our view and deceives us as to what's really, really valuable. Our culture says you can have it. Even more, it says you deserve it. Sometimes it says you look good in it, right? It says if you'll own that, you'll be important. Somebody, you'll matter. It's deceptions. It's all lies, all of it. Every bit of it is lies. We have to learn to go the other direction. I'll give you two quick stories. The first one is this. So in my 30s, um, I made the brilliant decision that I would go into um, ministry to make my wealth. What in the world? When I was in my 30s, I was a chief financial officer at a textile company, and we walked away from it. And I remember thinking, God, I know you've spoken this to me, but I'm walking away from a big salary, and I don't know how we're going to do it. Now, thankfully, my wife did well, but I kept thinking, how are we going to cut all the way back to that? Let me tell you something. We never missed a meal. We ate well. I, we, we weren't eating, you know, I like fried bologna, but we didn't have to have it every day. <laughs> right? We, we, didn't, we didn't miss any mortgage payments. We didn't miss any utility payments. We enjoyed life. We still did things. We cut back, and that was drastic. And I'm not saying you have to be drastic. I'm just saying... We have to cut back. We have to cut back on some level. Today, my wife and I, we're, our house is for sale. Our house is for sale not because we're in any difficulty or situation. The reality is, is if you've ever visited us, some of you have, we have a large house. And we've been there for eight years. Eight years? Nine. Time flies. We've been there for nine years. We raised our kids through middle school and high school there. But this last summer, when I accumulated the days that Celia came home for the summer and Addison came home for the summer and combined them, it was less than 25. And I'm thinking, why do I have this huge upstairs that I'm trying to maintain? It's become this hallway to the storage is all it is. It's a hallway to the storage. Why do I need this? I, I, should, I should downsize. I should back off and do something, you know, and just cut back a little. And so we've made decisions to cut back, not... Because we have to, because it seems like it's the right thing to do. It seems like it's the right thing to do. Luke 12:15 says this: Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Really wise guy said that. Jesus. Jesus said that. So, in addition to cutting back, the second one: clear out. You can tell we've got some really complicated sermon titles and really complicated points for this series. <laughs> Cut back, clear out. Our lives can become so cluttered with stuff that we're weighted down, we're worn out, we're robbed of peace. 
Listen, we all have the tendency to accumulate stuff, to gather stuff. And what happens is, is that we put it in the closet, right? And when it doesn't fit in the closet, we take that extra spare room and we fill it up, right? And when that doesn't work, we fill up the garage, right? And when all of that doesn't seem to fit, then what do we do? We buy a bigger house. (laughs) And then we begin to fill up those bigger closets and those bigger rooms. And then when we run out of space again, we do what all Americans do. We rent a mini warehouse. (laughs) It's true. You know it's true. That's why you're laughing. It's true. Right? We just keep accumulating, accumulating. Now listen, I know we all accumulate stuff. In life, we accumulate stuff. I mean, just... Over years of marriage, you accumulate gifts and things, and you have to buy things, and there's certain things you have to buy when the kids are small, and then you don't get rid of them, and, you know, and just that stuff accumulates. But there is an accumulation. I'm not talking about just the, the normal trickle-up of life accumulations. I'm talking about we're going and buying, and we're accumulating and more and more and more because we saw it on QVC, because we saw it in the mall, because we saw it you know, uh, wherever. We saw it at the dealership whether that be car, boat, or truck, right? I'm not shooting against those. I own a truck. I wish I had a boat, but I don't because I'm cutting back. Really, because I have two kids in college. That's the truth. But the reality is we have to cut, you know, we have to cut back on that thing and not feel all that stuff. The stuff isn't what matters. I personally know someone who's filled up their closets and they have begun to fill up their rooms and they filled up their garage and they filled up other areas of the house. And it actually has become to the point that friends and family are now a little uncomfortable visiting. Why? Stuff. It's not right. We have to let the stuff go. Not just cut back on what we spend, but let's clear out. Now, I'm going to tell you, for those of you who don't know me well, my background is accounting. I am an accountant, and there is a just a sliver of a tightwad in me. <laughs> and the tightwad would say, there's money in the stuff. Right? You say, well, I don't want to sell that. That's really valuable. Well, only if you sell it. If it sits here, it's worth zero. What's it doing? Now, this is not our health series, but I'm just going to tell you. If that really thing that's really valuable is sitting in the basement and it's an exercise piece of equipment, it's only holding laundry, sell it. <laughs> sell it. Why? Because there's, there's value in the stuff. We can clear out. Now, I'm not saying you have to sell everything. I think there's an appropriate give. Give to Salvation Army, Goodwill, Habitat for Humanity. Give some stuff away. Give some stuff to people you know. You know what? We have people just this week who were uh, emailed the church and said, I've got, a, I've got a bed if anybody needs it. Well, you know what? Literally, I actually tried to get that for someone in our Statesville congregation who I knew needed a single bed. And I, mean, I could not type the U.S. fast enough. Click. And sorry, it's already gone. Why? Because there's needs. There are needs. And I'm... That's really week three. I'm, I'm, I'm digressing. But 
we have to be disciplined to cut back and to clear out. It gives us more room in our lives to enjoy what really matters. Now here's the last one. Learn contentment. So we cut back, we clear out, and we learn contentment. Those are our three points today. If you want to know what less is more looks like, it looks like that. We have to learn contentment. Contentment is defined as limiting one's desires, requirements, or actions. Let me take you to a scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into a temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. And I would say financial destruction is probably mostly what they're talking about here. So let me address a couple of quick things with this one. The first is the idea of the get rich. The American dream is not to get rich. That is the American dream for the people who grew up in America. Did you know that? The American dream for people who want to come into this country is that they would come here and be prosperous and take care of their families. Because they're living in places where they are not prosperous and they are struggling to take care of their families. But we, privileged, our American dream is to be the richest guy on the cul-de-sac. That's our American dream. But that is not the American dream. That is our misperception of it. So what do we try to do? We try to get rich quick. Well, I'm just going to tell you, it is the very, 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 very smallest chance that anyone will ever get rich quick, right? You can win the lottery, but that is the needle in the haystack, and you will probably spend a lot of money through your lifetime never achieving it, right? But people are always trying to come up with this great idea to get them rich and make them, you know, wealthy. So I live in a, I live in Troutman. Anybody know where Troutman is? It's just south of Statesville. Let me tell you, Troutman's population is 2,500. <laughs> in a town of 2,500 people, why in the world do we need? Two dog groomers? Listen, if you know much about people in Troutman, they are more rural than people who live in East Lincoln County. Right? You know the rural people who live kind of out on the road? They are more rural in their thinking. You know, if the dog is like sick, uh, they'll just euthanize it themselves. Right? That's a different kind of thinking over there. So half those people, if their dog is dirty, right? But the other ones are trying to clean their dogs, and they're trying to go. So that's why the two dog groomers are both struggling. They would be struggling or, or stable, right? Because there's so few dogs and too many dog groomers for the size of our community. So why in the world... Would someone come up with the brilliant idea to get rich? We are going to get rich with this million-dollar idea in Troutman, of all places. We are going to create an indoor wash-your-own-dog business. 
come to my business, pay me money, and you can wash your dog right there in my building. I told Susan when the sign went up, I said, they'll last three months and they'll be out of business and they'll be on the hook for that lease until it expires. The business was out of business in two months and they are on the hook for the lease. Their their little sign's still up there. You know why? Because they're paying out a lease because their million dollar get rich idea. Getting rich, getting rich is not a quick thing. So let me give you the other concept out of this whole uh, verse on contentment. And that is this. You and I have challenges pressing us, facing us, adversity every day on the concept of contentment. You will see it today. How many of you are going home later today and you are going to watch the Cowboys game? Come on. I know there's more closet Cowboys in here than that. Right? And you are, going to, you are going to watch commercial after commercial after commercial. They are going to tell you all the things that you could have. You could have these beats and not have to listen to anybody around you. You can have these little iPod in the ears and you can look so good while you're doing it. Right? All of that. And then some. Why? Because they're designed to make you discontent. Did you know that that is the purpose of advertising? Do not let them tell you that they are trying to get you to buy their product. That's the end of the thing. But the core of it is I have to make you discontent with what you have, the model, the version that you have. So, I know, the dinosaurs are going to roar. This is a 5S, people. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) A 5S. Catch up, brother. 6S plus 7. Come on. Right? Contentment. Contentment. We don't have to have what's current, what's now, what's the most. I used to know a guy, and it's like every two years he's changing vehicles. I'm like, what, what's wrong with the other one? He's like, oh, no, man, nothing. It's just, it's, it's time to change. This one's new. I mean... Did you see what it does that the other one doesn't? I said, what does it do? He said, this one has heated seats. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. That's totally different. <laughs> Don't you keep it in the garage? <laughs> we have to learn contentment. The other thing is, is for those of you who say, well, I don't watch football and I'm not going to watch it. Well, okay. You're going to go home and you're going to, Open up the newspaper, and once you get past the the important stuff, which would be the sports section and the comics, then you're going to find yourself to what? The ads. Sunday ads. There's coupons in there. Well, you know those coupons are great. I mean, you know that. There's at least one or two good ones in there for Burger King. But the rest of them and all the other little flyers in there are what? Advertisements. They're promoting. They're trying to show you what? What you don't have. But you could. You could look good in it. You could be fashionable. You could have this. It's designed to make you discontent. And if you want to relieve the pressure, we have to get to where less is more 
and that contentment. We have to find a place of living in contentment. Some of you say, well, I don't do that and I don't do the other, but do you window shop? Let me tell you something. Window shopping is, is, is more dangerous. You know why? Because the reality is, is it is touchable. Right? And if it's touchable, then you can touch it. And then you can say, ooh, that's smooth and soft. Or you can say, well, let me just try it on just to see how I look in it. Or whatever. Right? Window shopping is worse because it's not just looking at it. Now you actually have touched it and now it's like it's, it's becoming a part. It's one thing to see somebody across the way, but it's another thing to go up and meet them, shake their hand, hug them, and now you feel like you know them. Right? Now you feel like you know it. Right? So why should I have it? Because I know it. I was there. I touched it. It's dangerous. There's all kinds of stuff that comes at us catalogs, mail order catalogs, all those things, they're all, everything is designed to make us what? Discontent. But the word says that contentment with righteousness is great gain. I know, I even have a few people in my life, um, distant, not my wife, she's sitting here, not her. My wife is actually really good with this. But I have other people that I know. They say, well, shopping is my hobby. Get a new hobby. Get a new hobby. It's not helping you. It's not helping you be content in life. You say, but the sales are good. No, they're not. If you don't need it, the sales are not good. They're just, they're, it's just they've, they've hooked you, and now they're reeling you in. It's the reality that you have to be really, really careful with that. The reality is is that you and I aren't going to take it with us. It's not going with us. It's not leaving this earth with us. And for me, I would rather leave a legacy of love, contentment, joy and memories to my family over a bunch of stuff. Personal opinion. I think we have to learn to live with contentment. Now listen, disclaimer, I'm not saying that having stuff is bad. So if there's anybody in here this morning and you felt like, I said, if you got a lot of stuff that's bad, you missed, you missed me today. Come up and talk to me and I'll help clarify because that is not what I'm saying. We all have the ability to accumulate stuff. I believe that God prospers us and does amazing stuff. If we're living according to all of his principles, I think he's going to bless us and he's going to prosper us and all those things are going to happen. I'm talking about the desire and the accumulation and stuff. If, if you're here and you're in a place where you find yourself stuck solid or surplus or all those kind of things and and you've not just giving the typical generosity and the typical tithe but you're really able to give to places and it seems like every time you give something away God seems to give it back to you man you are in a sweet spot do not move you know why because you figured out why God has prospered you right you have stuff and God has prospered you because he can give it to you and he can get it through you and he can flow out of you. Now, I'm, again, I'm jumping to week three again. But the reality is 
is that having stuff and a lot of stuff is not bad. I know some really, really wealthy people. But you know what? You and I, you wouldn't know them, but I know their generosity level is off the charts, right? Because God can trust them with it and he's He's giving them and they give away and then he just like gives it back and then some. He's like, like stink, we got to get rid of this again. Here you go. And they're just generous that way. On the other hand, oh, by the way, if that's you, you know, you find yourself in the second half of that class, that's that's legacy and that would be for you. The reason for that is because you said, well, I'm, I'm in a surplus. I'm really good. I don't have to worry about it. The point of legacy is to help you excel at that. It's, it's the point of legacy is to help you excel at the stage of life that God has put you in financially so that you can be all that God will allow you to be. Do you understand? On the other hand, if you find yourself challenged, struggling, difficult. You would say I was on this side. I was on the struggling or uh, stable side of the bell curve this morning. That's what Financial Peace University is for. That's what it's due. The legacy class we're doing at Cornelius for all, for all three campuses, but we so don't want Pastor Jeremy, I, and Pastor Phil, we don't want this congregation, anyone, living in a point of that kind of stress and so that's why we have Financial Peace University. It's going to be at every campus. Because we want you to live in the freedom that God intended you to live in. There's a freedom from the financial stress and strain that you can do. These are three concepts that you need to begin to work in. But FPU will help you work out the practicalities of what do I do with my finances, though. That's what FPU will help you do. Last thoughts in your notes. As we go through life, our goal is to love God and people and use those things to accomplish that goal. Don't allow the lie of more is better to keep you from the things that really add value to life. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, thank you for talking to, I believe, people all across this room today. God, as we move on from here and continue on in this series, but but leave here today, God, I pray that regardless of where people find themselves, they would help us to understand these concepts that we're talking about, less is more. God, I pray that you'd help them to Make decisions. Lord, I understand that part of that is that they have to hear your voice and then have the courage to to walk out what you're asking them. And so, Lord, this morning as we conclude this sermon, God, I pray most of all for courage. God, that you would give us the strength, the courage to walk out whatever you ask, God, whatever you direct, because the goodness of the Lord never fails us you're always true you're always good so Lord as these people leave today I pray they would go in your favor your might and in your blessings
For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.